Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, so The Sims 4. Yeah. I'm obsessed. Mm. Did, did you buy it or did you get it for oh, free? Baby, I pre-ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in 2015 or whenever it came <sighs> out. See, I used to play Sims when I was like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And Sims 2. Oh, OG. Good one, good one, good one. Yeah, I've been seeing all these memes on like throwback. And then my friend got Sims 4. She was like, it's free on Origin. Get it. And we'll do Sims days. And I was like, yeah. Oh so now God. I'm completely obsessed. I'm completely like invested. Mm-hmm. I'm on like my second generation. Wow. But the thing is, is that I don't just get obsessed with one family. I like how I play a family and make a house on like a day and I'm like, no, I'm bored now. <laughs> and then I make another one and then I've got too many Sims. And obviously, of course, their lives, when you're playing with one family, the other family, they're like progressing. Yeah. So I've had to like, uh, you go back to the other family and they're like old people and I'm like, right, well, we've got to sort this out. <laughs> so I've been trying to like look up like, how to age Sims down, help. Oh my God, really? Yeah. Wow. Good. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Did you ever play Sims 3? No. That's the best one. No. That's the not. best one. Open world. Yeah. That was actually... And then what? Sims 4... You know Sims 4 started without pools. Without toddlers. Without what? ghosts. What? Yeah. When the when the game first came out, they had to patch no all way. of that in. Well, they've just done another update and you can have your Sim um, as like non-binary now. Mm, it's been um, a while. Has it? Like two, three years. Oh. So, sorry, I'm kind of an expert <laughs> on this. <thing. laughs> I think I saw online that they've literally just introduced like top surgery scars and like different types oh, non, of non- like gender expression and they, that kind so of thing. The option where you can like, I think you still have to assign a gender, but you can choose if they pee standing up, if they can get pregnant. Actually, The Sims is like not to get into it too much, but because this is a gay podcast, it's actually really important to acknowledge that The Sims, since The Sims 1, has always been sexually fluid. Yeah. There's never been, like, only hetero relationships in The mm. Sims. Like, no, I know. always been able... How crazy is that for a game that came out in 2001? Well, exactly. This is the thing. And um, seven-year-old me 
is going to be mortified that I'm saying this, but of course, one of the first clues I had when I was gay is if I made like two female sims. Yeah. And then I was like, they can live together and kiss. <laughs> I know. Just that crazy. was a that was a clue. So you yeah. know, it's always been very a very nice safe space. Sims, look at us. We sound like gamer girls. Oh, I am. Look, look at this baby right here. <laughs> Your PS. What is five, baby? PS five. Oh my god. Yeah, she's a gamer girl. Uh, yeah. Great. Right. Well, we should probably <laughs> stop talking about, about the cinema. <laughs> this is an episode about the Sims. <laughs> and we're live. Do I make you nervous, Corky? I'm a homosexual. Lesbian. I'm a homosexual. I have loved you the way they said. You fancy gears? I'm having a proper full-on gay crisis. Hello and welcome to Gay Actually. Thanks for being here. It's gonna be a fun old gay time. Pitch Perfect is a lesbian musical film. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. I want to carry off badass lesbian chic like Kate Blanchett can. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Do you see it? Titanic is coming back to the cinema. <laughs> yes, obviously. I'm going on Sunday. You're, you're going. <laughs> and on Friday. Wait, you're going twice? Yeah, well, at least. I'm planning on more. <laughs> Please! <laughs> Did you see it when it... <clears throat> oh my god. Sorry. I just choked on myself. <laughs> Did you see um, it came back on in 3D? It was. I think it was for an anniversary or something. In uh, 2012, yes, I did was go it? to the cinema to see it. So it was did the I. 100 year anniversary of the actual Titanic sinking. Oh my god! Yeah. And it came out in 3D. Yeah, I went to see that. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have to let me know how it. I mean, I was gonna say you have to let me know how it is. I've seen Titanic <laughs> like 50 times. Yeah, I mean, the OG love story. <sighs> so good. So good. Kate Winslet on the big screen in 3D. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm paying for, baby. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, not in French the girl. <laughs> not in the cheap seats. <laughs> oh, I'm eating the sofa. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, <laughs> it's gonna be good. Hi, everyone. Welcome back <laughs> to a gay actually a series as part of the UK Film Review podcast, where we discuss. LGBTQ plus representation on screen, in the cinema, in the festivals, mainstream, indie, we cover it all. Welcome. Well, on this month's episode, we're losing our minds. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, baby. <laughs> I'm Amber, and as always, I'm joined by Joyce. Hi. How are you? God, I'm halfway between life and death today <laughs> me too um, now we've just gone delirious with yeah. our delirium let's see where this goes I just worked actually my shift today wasn't that long so I shouldn't complain okay but the period pains made it feel like double as long listen you've got your period I've got my period literally I feel like half of London has got their period right now because everyone I've spoken to they're like oh yeah cramps and I'm like me yeah <laughs> why has everyone got their period now? I don't know but it's full moon and I think there's mm. a connection not as if there's not a full moon every month, but still. It'd be doing something. Yeah, for doing sure. cycle. For sure. Absolutely mental. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyone who menstruates, commiserate with us, please, because... <laughs> ow. Awful. <laughs> Big ow. Um, before we get started, I was going to ask you you, you, know, you know this was coming. 
I said, I've got a question to ask, oh, Joyce. yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm not going to tell you what it is, because I want to keep it fresh. <laughs> so scary. As if we've not just, like, talked for, like, half an hour about nothing. <laughs> but, how was the king? Oh! Uh, what happened? Because, no. listen, I get, I see on Joyce's Instagram story, when I serve a dairy coffee to king charles and i was like what are you talking about yeah and you've well, not explained yourself it's it's a disappointing story i'm not gonna lie okay so the king came to the street i work in yesterday and the day before you know the whole like manager team was hyping it up so much my manager like baked a royal cake it was all very sweet and what cute. flavor coffee walnut with our own coffee okay yeah. So we all thought we were going to see King Charles on um, on Wednesday. Turns out, King Charles did come to the street, but he did not even pass by our Aww. shop. But he did not even put the effort into walking the whole street. You'd think he'd want a cup of coffee. You would think. <laughs> I mean, honestly, kind of um, disappointing. Yeah, and that's the real tea. <laughs> That is coffee. Dairy flat white. <laughs> We're all about oat milk on this podcast. <laughs> we are. We are. It's nice and hot chocolate. Very much. We're making a lot of hot chocolate. Good. It's winter. Cramp soothing. Oh, hot drinks, true. guys. Hot drinks. Very true. Um, so yeah, that's that's a little... I like that we've talked for 10 minutes about <laughs> Sims, oat milk, and King Charles. Yeah. Iconic. Sorry for the disappointing story on King Charles. No, the man okay. didn't even show up. So sad. Men never do. You know, this is why we're gay. On this podcast. (laughs) I was going to say, are you speaking from experience? (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) But anyway, um, on this month's episode for the UK Film Review Podcast, we... Why did my voice break? I know. Okay. I heard that. The review podcast. Oh. <laughs> she hit did your balls drop as well? <laughs> it's my hormones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's February, which means it's Black History Month. So we're going to be talking about two iconic films directed by black women about black women. The first one is The Watermelon Woman, and the second one is Pariah. Two very different films, but I feel like I feel like they pair nicely for this podcast. Yeah. What do you think? The, for sure. Um, well, I think, first of all, it's like so important to mention that The Watermelon Woman is the first film directed by a black queer woman and that's just iconic in itself it's groundbreaking yeah literally groundbreaking it talks about queer women black women on different levels even within the film Mm -hmm. so amazing i think talking about these two films together is um great because they tell very different stories kind of like um within their own environments how exploring queerness that process, how that kind of happens, you know, different stages in that exploration. Yeah. Definitely. So we have Cheryl in The Watermelon Woman, who's kind of settled into her life as a queer woman. Yeah. Um, she's 25. And then I've got Pariah about Lee, who's 17, and kind of figuring it all out. Yeah. Um, and not quite finding her place, um, having very limited, you know, role models and all of that. And then also struggling with family and their acceptance so they're two very different films but they kind of show two sides of like the process of becoming queer and becoming like stable in your queerness i think that's such a good point because as you said like 
Alike or Lee, um, as she's called by some of her family members, she's 17. So that's a very, like, I mean, in terms of relatability, like, I know a lot of people that came out at 17. I came out at 17. And so that's kind of like, oh, she's at the start of her coming out journey and she's trying to figure out who she is and how she wants to identify and what she wants to do with her life. Whereas Cheryl, she's 25. That's our age now. Oh. And so... (laughs) Just in case no one knew. Wake up, Paul. (laughs) Just outing our ages. Wow. Um, I feel like... when I first watched this film, it was when we were studying it. So oh. I was what? I don't know, like 22? 23? 22? I must have been 22 in the first time. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you would have been 21. So, like, I feel like I rewatched it again for this podcast. Being 25, I was like, damn. Like, actually, there is kind of like an overwhelming queer experience in this way of. Yeah, I don't know. Watching both of these films, I was kind of like, wow, that's crazy. Because obviously, like, we're both out to everyone, right? We're very confident and comfortable in our sexualities now. I would say, I mean, not oh, to yeah. speak for you, but I feel like we're both sure. very openly gay. So, like, it was really refreshing to watch that film and, like, Cheryl's dynamic with her friend um, Tamara. And, it, yeah, it was very much like, oh, nice. Like it's kind of a it's a nice moment, even though the watermelon woman comes out first. It's un, it, it's nice to go back and watch that and be like, yes, openly gay. Woo! <laughs> I didn't express that very well, but you kind of know what what, what I mean. It's all about the vibes. It's all about it's all about the vibes. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. And also quickly, um, something Amber and I discussed before recording this. Um, we're both white, so obviously talking about black cinema is something kind of out of our reach and not quite our space to talk about um so yeah, we're not trying to take up space by any means no so all. we don't want to like focus on the blackness necessarily in these films they are um very important films for mm. black queer cinema and we just want to focus on that mostly and on um the films themselves and yeah and there's so many like other like um, like like black scholars and black filmmakers that have talked about this film because obviously it is like trailblazing. Mm. So I can include, yeah, I think it might be good for to, for us to include some maybe links or resources in the description. The people that have written on these films, I mean, Spike Lee literally produced Pariah, so <laughs> he was there one of go. the execs. So um, there'll definitely there's definitely so much out there. So yeah, this is. This is a podcast of admiration. Exactly. Podcast of exactly. admiration. And so Unless it's less bomb. Unless it's less bomb. <laughs> so, let's start with The Watermelon Woman. Yeah. So, The Watermelon Woman is a groundbreaking film um, directed by Cheryl Dunn. In ni- it came out in 1996. Mm-hmm. So... It's two years older than me. What? Yeah, oh. 98. <gasps> I always forget. I'm 97. <laughs> It's one year older than me. Well. <laughs> Everyone older than this listening to the podcast is going to be like, F- you. <laughs> well, at least um, we were born before 2000, okay? Yeah. Imagine people that were born in like 2009, they didn't grow up with like Lady Gaga, like Just Dance, Love Game. I know. But pa- then they're Paparazzi, like teenagers now, Poker so they're growing face. up with like Shawn Mendes, Harry Styles, whoever else. <laughs> yeah, whoever else. Sam Smith. Dua Lipa. <laughs> <laughs> all iconic 
Um, anyway, yeah. the watermelon woman. The watermelon woman is, um, you know, I mean, I myself i am a bit, a bit confused about the structure and how to describe it. It's basically a movie about making movies. Yeah, basically. And Cheryl plays herself, Cheryl. Mm-hmm. She, there is a little blurb at the end that says that the film is fic- the water the watermelon woman is fictional. Spoiler alert. Is that a spoiler? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because literally you'd Google, is the watermelon woman real? And yeah. everyone says no. So, and it's about like creating your own history, right? Yes. So yeah. that's why it's fictional. Um, but yeah. it's basically about Cheryl, um, her life as like an aspiring filmmaker. She videotapes, she works in a video store. Goals. Yeah. See, oh. Naughty's kids won't remember Blockbuster. Mm. I do. Preach. I found the direct quote. Sometimes you have to create your own history. The watermelon woman is fictional. Right. Or fiction. I didn't really write it down. But yeah. Yeah. Um, So she works in a video store uh, with her best friend, Tamara, who's... Iconic. Yeah, iconic. (laughs) I love... We all need a Tamara in our lives, first of all. The three girls that work in this video store are all lesbians. Yes! I love that. And then the the guy, Bob, is just like, can you sort yourselves out, ladies? Yeah, yeah. And it's like... (laughs) So they're, Tamara and um, Cheryl are both openly queer. Um, Tamara's in a relationship. Um, With lovely Stacey. Yeah. Cheryl is having a bit of a harder time finding a match for her. Um, <laughs> she does meet this girl at the video store. Um, Wait, why would this be us if we worked at a video store? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I can't believe I'm Cheryl. <laughs> no! No, she's iconic. Yeah, no, so true. She's I'm amazing. not as sassy as Tamara. You could be if you want to. I think you could be. I definitely could be. Cheryl is making this video project about the watermelon woman. It's she's this actress that was in early Hollywood like thirties films, who, yeah. and she played the mammy. Yeah, it's that, so it mommy? it's the mammy figure in like the black mammy in film. Yeah, that's what she's kind of. But she's focusing only, on for her project, and that's how she finds the watermelon woman. She's only credited as the watermelon woman, and um, Cheryl wants to discover her real identity and who she really was. Yeah. So she's making a video project about her, and then she finds out some other things about this woman. Um, what's her name? Faye Richards. Yes. And Faye happens to also have a bit of a queer history herself. She's in the family, as they say she's, in the film. She's a sister. She's, she's a suffix sister. A suffix she's sister. in the family. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The suffix sister vibes mm. um, are all over this film. I love it. And Cheryl as well says, I think very early on in the film, our stories have never been told. So she's very not only is she re- like enjoying researching this project and making a video about the watermelon woman, but she's also wanting to remember a time that hasn't been remembered in cinema, like for black actors and black characters yeah. that's just been overlooked. And she really struggles. I mean, anyone that's done a dissertation <laughs> can, like, when you're doing a project and you can't find anything on the project, you're panicking, right? She literally has nothing to and work she with. She doesn't even have the internet. She doesn't even have the internet, please. She has a video store. She goes to the library and she's like, "Can I'm looking for stuff on like black women in cinema. Can you help? And they're like, have you tried this section? And then like all of the people are so annoying and Cheryl's literally like, why? So she is trying to immortalize a legacy forgotten on screen, which I think is important. Like in terms of cinema, that's definitely what directors and filmmakers do like to do. It's like, 
I wouldn't say lament on the past, but kind of like contribute to a legacy. But Cheryl's literally making a legacy. Yeah. If you think of the films like Pariah, for example, that we're going to go on to talk about, like it starts with her, and that's incredible. I think it was named like one of the top 100 films of the all time. Watermelon Woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of she's kind of researching. She's got this rapport with. Tamara, it's iconic. Their boss is sick to death of both of them. But at the video store that they work at, Cheryl then meets Diana. And Tamara says to Diana, or the other way around, do you think she's in the family? As in, do we think she's gay? Oh, And are you getting her number? <laughs> I love it. It's it's, it's so, a very flirty meet-cute, right? Like, it it some, is. There's some, like... Like, she wants to check out these videos. She's like, what videos should I check out? What do you recommend? And then she's like, personal best. <laughs> okay, I see you, Sapphic sister. Honestly, but like... No, I did do that. I did do that. I was like... I think I mentioned the movie Carol. Because at that point, Carol had just come out, right? And then the girl was like, oh, I've not seen it. And I was like, oh, she's not gay. <laughs> wow. Anyway. I can't believe she hadn't seen it, though. I know. Her loss. Anyway. Um, yeah. The, this <laughs> flirty whole, meet cute. Flirty meet cute. And this whole scene about them, first of all, discussing if she's in a family and then the flirting between Diana and Cheryl is There's so There's a lot of great. eyes. There's a lot of eyes. But the, it's so great because it's still so relatable. The way it all goes, mm-hmm. do you think she's gay? Yeah. That Maybe part. you should ask her. Oh, she's new, it's a new account because she's just moved to the area. You need to write down her address and phone number. Mm, uh-huh. Mm. And... Um, <laughs> The awkwardness and the shyness. <laughs> yeah, because Cheryl is really awkward. It's so, it's so relatable. I know. It's so like it's like a really timeless like yeah, little interaction. It is because it's so off the time because they're at the video store and like there's oh you need to make a new account. But then also yeah that whole yeah people meeting naturally and just like yeah Cheryl's like oh I'm, I'm sorry like kind of stumbling over what she's doing. And yeah, Diana's just there like giving her the eyes like yeah. I like you. And it's like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. So we kind of flip back and forth. Like, Diana kind of is in and out of the film. Um, and during, like, after this point, we kind of get a proper look into classic cinema with black actors in. So, like, in cinema from, like, like do they used to call them talkies? I'm really showing myself up. But, like, the early, like, the 20s to the 40s cinema, when, you know, people first started to speak in cinema... Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like it's kind of nice because it kind of memorialises these actors properly like that kind of representation and you get to see like she interviews people that have like old posters of these films like all black cast from mm-hmm. back in that time and it's like it's so it's great it's kind of it shows a lot of history of black cinema um, like through like black di- through the ages there's so many layers to this film as well it's just yeah it's a, and like yeah. it's a historical black film by being the first film that raised by a black queer woman but then mm-hmm. also it shows so much of black film in history yeah and of black actors and black cast films and yeah because obviously like in the present day like obviously like um sydney protier has just died and he was the first black actor to win an academy award right mm-hmm. so like there's loads of documentaries coming out about him at the moment but like this was, this was bef- this was way before that. This was like we're talking about films before he was on screen, mm-hmm. and films featuring black women, 
um, yeah, it's it's like it's a legacy that she's trying to not like it's a legacy that's been forgotten and she's trying to bring it back forgotten and also this this is also very striking for me this moment let me find my note about it um yeah so a legacy of black film that actually told through black like a black perspective yeah because there's a scene where she talks to a white professor at a university (gasps) oh my god i was going to talk about this yeah about the watermelon woman and first of all the professor the one of the first things she says is that black commentary on the mammy figure has been wrong commentary by black people on the mammy figure has been wrong and that images of service should be celebrated completely negating the history and the context of such images in like early 30s 20s films when you know the history is still very loaded but the further you go back in history the more loaded it is obviously so um this is really interesting yeah very striking like how like a professor that's clearly way higher up than cheryl academically has yeah she and she she really when she's speaking she has a lot of superiority in her tone in her voice how she speaks about it even though she's sitting in front of a black woman who's trying to tell this black history on cinema yeah i agree i wrote this i wrote it down because i thought it was really interesting because i was like oh a white critic speaking on black representation and i was like oh because she's a culture critic and like a lecturer then i googled this woman Camille Paglia, massive turf. Oh my god. Hugely. But so, okay, her Wikipedia page is very confusing. On her Wikipedia page, it says she identifies as transgender, but she's been so. She uses she, her pronouns still, so it's fine, I'm not misgendering. But she's so. She's been so outspoken about, um, like, transness to the point where students at the University of Philadelphia have actually recently campaigned and protested to have her removed from the faculty and i was like that's a really interesting point she was in this film 25 years ago and her things that she's saying are still really problematic right and obviously with the current rhetoric so it says though she has not transitioned paglia identifies as transgender she reports having gender dysphoria Nevertheless, she says she is highly sceptical about the current transgender wave, which she thinks has been produced by far more complicated psychological and sociological factors than current gender discourse allows. Um, Then her views led to a petition demanding that the University of the Arts remove her from their faculty, but the university rejected it. Paglia considered it a publicity stunt and praised the university's eloquent statement affirming academic freedom as a landmark in contemporary education. Also, she doesn't believe in climate change. Oh, great. (laughs) She's long rejected the scientific consensus on global warming, which she describes as the political agenda that has slowly accrued around the current issue of climate change. I love it when smart people are professors. (laughs) I know! But I thought that was really interesting because I thought... Because I was wondering why Cheryl had her in the film, but was it to like satirize, like a white critic like trying to take space? Yeah, I think it was trying to show why she's doing this. Yeah, like why it matters that she's doing this. Because she's unlikable in the film, and I love that she's unlikable in real life. (laughs) (laughs) It's not fiction. That's the only part of the film that isn't fictional. So Cheryl interviews like um, quite a lot of. uh, people in the film about their experiences of black cinema do you know who Faye Richards was do you know who the watermelon woman it was and everyone's like no 
no one knows who she is. Um, she interviews her mum as well, and her mum recognises her. Um, and also, it's really it's really cool because the interview with her mum like it gives such a clear picture of um, the culture and that and that at that time. Oh, scratch all of that. Yvette's character. You know Yvette, the one that the that Tamara and um, Stacy try and set her up with, and then she's singing "Loving You" on the on the. (laughs) 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 Iconic, and that whole thing, and you just get a sense of like Cheryl's dating life, and you're like, "Oh, BB." So when she meets Diana, obviously, like, "Ooh, interesting," but. Yeah, so their relationship develops. So, like Cheryl's like, I'm making this, I'm making this film on the watermelon woman. Um, I have limited access to my ancestry, so, um, because that's the thing, like, because Cheryl's Dunn's been interviewed about why she made the film, and because she has limited access to her ancestry, she likes to create relationships to it through her imagination and that manifests itself on screen so so Diana ends up Cheryl ends up going to Diana's house for the first time first of all that apartment's huge oh my god it's like a massive studio yeah I mean Um, clearly Diana comes from a wealthy background yeah we didn't mention as well that Diana is white yeah Um, and well off yeah, white and well off and she's like I'm just kind of trying to like find myself you know I'm volunteering for a poor black kids right now oh and you're just like like she everything because the first meet cute you're like oh that's nice but then the more we meet Diana the more we're like you're annoying as fuck <laughs> like, she's mm. so annoying um but like Cheryl's kind of got like heart eyes and that's hilarious because Tamara and her girlfriend Stacey are like no why do you like this woman like they mm-hmm. hate her mm-hmm. and it's usually a good indicator if your friends don't like your partner then it's probably not good um, but there there was a mishap with some videotapes and Diana's account because this is ingenious right so Cheryl and Tamara like when they want videos but they don't want to like pay for them to rent them they'll charge it to a random customer's account and then like rent the tape when it gets delivered watch it and then take it off the account so the account doesn't get charged mm-hmm. iconic mm-hmm. this accidentally happens Tamara does this with Diana's account by accident and it's like some <laughs> adult content and it's hilarious and then oh. and then um, it's like blockbusters but replace the word blog <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so then Diana's like well Cheryl you'll just have to come over to mine and then the magic happens. And so funny, during their first kiss, they're watching this film, um, at one of the films that um, that uh, Cheryl rented, and while they have their first kiss, the TV literally says, where is it? Oh, Committing yeah. a sin will surely send you to hell. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow. Isn't there a slap as well? It's like really melodramatic. There's a slap. <laughs> <laughs> um, but from this point on, Diana is very unlikable and arrogant mm-hmm. like I literally was like I don't like you but can we also quickly say in that same scene there's a full on lesbian love making scene in this film it's so like classic 90s sex like, scene as well how crazy is that though lingering touches intense intense love it just great to have it included and actually yeah. see it yeah Woo. <laughs> I win <laughs> love it um 
Oh yeah, I've written down. First love scene, really well done. Raunchy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we've already said. Uh, we don't. We start to not like Diana, and so do her friends. The more they hate Diana, the more we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because Diana's white privilege takes over a lot of the conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's tension with Tamara and Stacy, and it affects Tamara's friendship with Cheryl because. The, the four of them are sat at a dinner table and you're like, oh, that's great. Two besties with their partners having a nice meal, cute. And then Cheryl's talking about her project and Tamara's like, oh, I thought you were going to, like, you know, focus on your project. like. Um, and then Cheryl starts talking about it and then Diana interrupts and is like, oh, my God, I forgot to tell you. I know this woman. She's Martha Page's sister and she'll talk to you. Like, she's got all these connections. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, and Martha Page was the white director of one of the films that the Watermelon Woman was in. Mm-hmm. So she's like, oh, I know, I've got connections to the white film director who basically erased this black actress from history. Yeah. You can talk to her. And she was like, oh, that's great. And then Tamara and Stacey are like, no, no, no. This mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Um, to the point where um, Tamara says, in, and I quote, your wannabe black girlfriend because she feels as though like Diana is like taking up space right yeah and I mean Diana also in the same dinner goes on this whole thing about all the places she's lived and that she was born in Jamaica she's like I love telling people where I was born I was born in Jamaica I was born in Jamaica yeah, yeah, yeah. I was born in Jamaica because Diana is appropriating a lot of the like black culture and all of these kinds of things and it doesn't sit right with Tamara and Stacy. So, and in the end, we find out that um, Diana had three black boyfriends. Cheryl reacts to that really strongly. Mm-hmm. She literally says to Diana, "You are a mess," mm-hmm. and it's like kind of laughed off. But then Diana's like, "What are you saying to me?" And is like really defensive about it, and like kind of aggressive in the way she speaks to Cheryl. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my god! But mm-hmm. like, that's it for them, though. That's literally the last scene they're in together, I think, isn't it? And then Cheryl mentions that they're not together anymore. Yeah. Messy. Messy. Not good, not good. Yeah, that's the point Cheryl gets uncomfortable. Aside from that, we have a lovely scene at the Lesbian... um, The Centre for Lesbian Information... Centre for Lesbian Information and Technology. Or C-L-I-T. Or... You do the acronym (laughs) yourself. Um, Yes. So this is the Lesbian Archives. It's a volunteer-run collective, as I like to remind Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Obviously iconic. It's so good. I love that scene. It's so it's so brilliant the way like the woman just like dumps all of the stuff mm-hmm. on the table. It's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And Cheryl's like, "We got to document all of this," and she's like, "You can't film in here." Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so you're trying to stop her from filming again. Yeah, great. Also, also like poignant with the race issue in this film that is so discussed so many times. Like she's finding all these photos that are basically proof of like this black queer woman she's following and she's trying to make a documentary yeah. about. And then this white volunteer at yes, the center, exactly. It's like you can't, you can't take photos of this. This is not your property. Trying to control the narrative, like yeah. it's constantly like white people trying to control the narrative. Like Diana tries to control Cheryl's narrative, and then this woman. Just control narrative. Yeah, it's just a lot of. It's uh, this whole film has a very interesting dynamic between race and sexuality, Mm. like black and white, but then also, you know, gayness within that, like queerness. Yeah, within that. That's very true because as well when, 
Diana takes Cheryl to interview Mrs. Page Fletcher, so Martha Page's sister. Mm. Cheryl brings up the fact that her sister may not have only been queer, but may have had a relationship with the watermelon woman, mm-hmm. Faye Richards. And Mrs. Page Fletcher absolutely repulsed with mm-hmm. like her sister director potentially being a lesbian. But the, I feel like there's there's multiple layers to that kind of repulsion. Just like the professor. Exactly. Because she also refuses kind of to believe that there was a relationship, a queer yeah. relationship, but then even more an yeah, interracial yeah, yeah. relationship. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Ugh. That was a very interesting scene. But also, what boiled my blood, this is before Cheryl and Diana ended things, obviously. Like, Cheryl's trying to, like, defend her work, and Diana's just sat there, and then it's like, Mrs. Page Pletcher, I'm so sorry. Like, mm. why are you apologizing to her? I know. Why are you apologizing to her? No way. Yeah, and that's when I was like, for the thousandth time, bye, Diana. Yeah, you're hot, but it's time for you to go. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded rehearsed. Oh, sorry. No, it wasn't. It, it came it. from the heart. It came from us. <laughs> so I have a quote, and I can't remember. I think it was someone into someone Cheryl interviewed said why do you want to include a white woman in a film about Faye's life about Martha Page Mm -hmm. that was interesting as well yeah so there is an interview scene where someone asks um, Cheryl why she wants to include Martha Page the white director in the documentary about Faye Richards so once again there's that dynamic between not only interracial relationship but also queerness yeah because yeah how do you tell the story of her queerness without including this this thing that has photographic evidence and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also like such a like I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Such a motif in the film about remembering the past and remembering a community that isn't, like, on screen. Mm-hmm. So, or, like, anywhere. Like, she can't yeah. find anything about it except for these these photos of a life. Um, and yeah, that I feel like that really cements the the theme that's going on. I just also quickly want to mention this is pretty early on in the film, but this is when um, Cheryl finds out that Faye might have been um, a sister, <laughs> <laughs> a sapphic sister. Yeah, is um, when Cheryl talks about her mother's friend Cheryl, and she watches this video of Cheryl talking about. Faye, or she interviews her. I'm not. I don't quite remember. Yeah. Um, and she basically talks about Cheryl, and she says she was never married. She worked in a factory her whole life. I think she's part of the family. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and on top of that i mean Shirley is dressed like pretty masculine you know kind of like yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just so funny to have these things that like to, to find your sisters you know yeah, all mar- these little, little clues. markers little yeah markers. it's like the lesbian nod yeah yeah it's like they had all of these little nuances and little clues exactly so that was great. I, th- this is the part of, of the film that I loved so much. Is every time it was, do you think she's in the family? Do you think she's a sister? Hey, sister! I just that love is so good. that community. Of, like that it's like us, like Queenie. Community. Hi, Queenie. How are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, so good, so good. Yeah, and it's just very historical too, if you think about it, because yeah, we don't have that as much anymore, obviously, um, mm. because a lot of a lot more people are just out to the world now. And we've kind of integrated <laughs> with everyone else, you know. It's yeah. still a community, but it's not as um, separated as it used to be, which for, which is good, which is great. But it's really interesting to see that, you know, how that's like yeah. the, a family, like a little separate family. And your sisters. Oh, so nice. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. Um, so we've made it to the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And things aren't really resolved. Work is just kind of beginning for Cheryl. What do you do? You think about the ending when she basically just says, "You know, me and Diana aren't together anymore. X, Y, Z has happened." This is uh, the end. I thought the ending was really good. Yeah. Um, my notes on it is that you can really see how Cheryl embraces her identity as a black lesbian filmmaker, mm. and with having that final sequence be the life of the watermelon woman it kind of um shows the importance of having role models everywhere yeah um digging into someone's history like that reveals that queerness has always been there um it's always been around even if well hidden but cheryl dug deep and she found it oh my god i just got chills (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god, you're so right. So that I mean, I really liked the ending. I thought it was really good. Even finding out afterwards that the watermelon woman isn't real. It doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. And the message yeah. is conveyed. The message like, is conveyed, and it sets a precedent for future films to include queer black women mm-hmm. that actually like t- take spaces. <laughs> like yeah. this is your space, and it, yeah, it's really nice. So. The next film we're going to be talking about is Pariah, directed by Dee Reese. One of the executive producers was Spike Lee, as I said earlier. So cool. And Which I didn't realise, and then watched the credits and was like, brilliant, fantastic. <laughs> um, but I feel like they kind of explore... We kind of touched on this in the beginning, but they explore like legacy and queerness in very different ways. So Cheryl is trying to find a legacy that's been erased systemically, whereas... Lee or Alike is trying to carve her own. She's at the beginning of the journey. Um, led by Trailblazer Cheryl Dunn. Love it. Um, and yeah, so let's start with a little, little synopsis. So Pariah is about a 17 year old um, character, Lee. Um, and she is growing up in Brooklyn with her family. And it's basically a journey of self-discovery. She is a young black queer woman. She's realised that she's gay. She's she's out to her best friend, um, Laura. Who's also gay. Who's also gay. And 
they're bas- she's basically trying to find who out who she is, where she fits into the queer black scene. She's really oh, she's so relatable, like just in terms of queerness because she's so nervous around girls and like <laughs> just doesn't like she's so nervous she won't even talk to them kind of level and I'm just like vibes <laughs> how do I get a girlfriend I don't know I just <laughs> said some jumbled up sentences and she took pity on me probably <laughs> but like Pariah is all about displacement that Lee feels it's kind of between her inner self she knows she's gay but her family don't know she's gay her best friend knows but she's not out so there's still that fear and vulnerability and lack of security there and also it's implied as well that her best friend doesn't live at home anymore and is trying to get her GED because she's been kicked out because she's a lesbian that's kind of implied um, throughout the film um what do you, do you what do you like about Pryor? It's a great <clears throat> film, right? Oh, it was really, really good. I think it's because we're so close to Lee um during the film that you just can't help but feel so much empathy and sympathy for her. Yeah. And you just very wanna immersed, give her a hug, yeah. but also just really respect the journey she's on mm. and the way she grows through it. It's so interesting now, like because I remember watching it as a teenager and being like, ah, so interesting now watching it as an adult and having your perspective of, I just want to give her a hug and tell her, just wait until you get to college. Like, it's going to yeah. be great. It's going to be so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously she's not at that point yet. We've, you know, we've got to watch her get to that place. Yeah. But there's a very early scene where she's been on a night out with Laura. Um, and Laura's like, I'll walk you home, I'll walk you home. And Lee's like, just go, just go, like, stop. Um it's because on the bus when she's on her own she changes her clothes and she sorts out um, her hair so as to present more feminine which is like so raw like because she kind of has like a butch yeah like what's the word like a very masculine presenting yeah like. she's very masculine presenting like mm-hmm. she's like kind of like oh my god she's iconic like I would have loved her at school she's like a butch woman that loves poetry like (laughs) vibes 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 that is all I wanted to be Um, (laughs) but like that scene where she changes on the bus you're like oh no that's so sad like she know you know she's going home and not being herself yeah I mean that idea of and to keep safe yeah because her family and her home is not a safe space that's it like you from the start you kind of get this idea of Okay, her environment is hostile towards her queerness. So there's this whole theme of masking throughout the whole film, basically. Yes. Um, She gets to school, she changes into who she really is. But walking to school, she's still wearing her earrings and her. And her mom buys her this pink cardigan. Her mom is desperate to to get her to wear these clothes that she picks out for her because she's scared. Her mom is a very hostile character. As as you say, she really wants to mold her. Aggressively hostile. Yeah. Yeah, very really much. wants to mold her into like this feminine image that she has in her mind of who her daughter is. Yeah, which I think like can be relatable for a lot of queer people. Like coming out, your parents have a vision of who you are, and mm-hmm. then when that's disrupted, it can be hard to deal with. I totally. Yeah, I and think that's what's good about this film, though, is it presents it in such a relatable way. You're like, wow, that she's really hostile, but you've you kind of still feel sympathy and empathy for the character at the same time. It doesn't, mm-hmm. like, completely demonise her family, which is interesting. That is and very like. true. Um, yeah. Um, there's a lot, and also, 
I feel like so the, the whole thing with the mom is that she sees her daughter become a tomboy yeah and it terrifies her because she also knows that her best friend is Laura and Laura is also a tomboy and but she knows she probably knows, knows that she Laura, knows Laura Laura's 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 she's a suffix sister a suffix sister <laughs> so the mom it has a lot of anxiety about it and you can see this very yeah. strong internal struggle um, but it also kind of shows this ignorance of mm. the topic because it mingles. And a fear it, to confront the topic too. Yeah, it mixes the idea of gender and sexuality a lot. Yeah. Like if you present a certain way, gender wise, that must mean that your sexuality um, looks like this. Yeah. It's all very. I feel like that's a real thing from our parents' generation, though. Yeah, to, was, do, to blur the lines. I was about to say, exactly. <laughs> no, 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 but I didn't. I was finding the words, so you said it, and I'm glad. <laughs> but yeah, very true. And you see that. And also, like you said, that kind of not wanting to learn or not wanting to. Because yeah. there's one way, and this is the only way. My yeah. daughter is straight. Like, that's, that's the it. mom. That's it. That's Should it. Should have been a nice way. boy at church. Because that's another thing that is a conflict mm. in the film is religion a little bit it's a not as bit. much of a conflict you it think kind of, of at the gives start context yeah at the start mm. you're like oh my god oh my god this is going to be like <laughs> a religious triggering like yeah. miseducation of Cameron Post situation but it's not it's no. not it's deeper than that yeah but I really do think they present um her father is more sympathetic than her mother like her her father really um understands Lee and they have a different kind of relationship whereas but he's not home as much because he's a police officer right and she's home too much yeah mum's mom. home too much <laughs> and she's the one that nags mm-hmm. so yeah the mum yeah you can definitely see that like the mum has the stress of the the work pressures of her husband but also the family pressures of her two daughters and that kind of thing um and that's why that's why I kind of say it's more sympathetic in its kind of portrayal of parents mm-hmm. with regards to their child's coming out sexuality yeah. journey. Because you see the human pressures and the social pressures put on both parents, but specifically her mum yeah. all the time. And it's yeah, it's really hard. Like it's really hard. Yeah. Um, um I like the teacher as well who pushes her to be better with her writing her poetry teacher like yeah. her yeah because yeah, her um, her teacher's like yeah it's not your best you could go deeper mm-hmm. but then Lee doesn't you know that's a whole thing of her journey like Lee Lee can't get deeper until she kind of accepts that part of herself and is open with that part of herself yeah. which is kind of like a running theme throughout like with her writing mm-hmm. um, um, oh my god I, just, I also wrote this down oh yeah the fear of putting yourself out there as a gay woman We've talked about that because Lee feels really vulnerable and afraid. Yeah. Like when this woman is like kind of talking with her, being like, "Do you want to dance?" Lee's like, "No." Yeah. Just doesn't move. It's like, like stuck to the chair. Like no. And then she's like, "Do you mind if I go dance with someone else?" And she's she's like, like, "No, go for it." <laughs> yeah. She's like, <laughs> "Live your best life. <laughs> Live your best life. Like whatever." And I'm like, "Oh, BB." Yeah. Aww. I love her friendship with Laura. Like they're real like allies for each other. And then obviously there's like a point of tension in the middle of the film. Yeah. And a note that I made about her friendship with Laura is obviously it's a bit um, complex. Like you said, there's a lot of ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. But it really shows the important of a, a, the importance of a peer role model. Yes, like oh, someone who's a peer and so who, true. yeah, who's who can be that kind of anchor for you 
to find out who you are. Yeah, which is often like more important than family, like friend, like friendships in your on your queer journey. So important because mm-hmm. if you've got no one that's helping yeah. you through that process and helping you figure stuff out. Like, I can't imagine and how difficult that is. For me, and like at le- I think for a lot of people my age, those, there were so many online communities for that as well. And we, we have that YouTube. that luck. Yeah, yeah, and even like Tumblr and Twitter. Well, this came out in 2011. I know, this is a bit so before. So this is a bit before, so like, and also there are the, those fa- spaces. Yeah, but it just shows the importance of it. And because the story is so lonely yeah. in a lot of ways. Like, yeah kind of feeling like there's no one else but then she has Laura and Laura lives in a very different space than her she enjoys going out to these like gay parties mm. like where a lot of queer women are and Lee doesn't necessarily like that as much and Lee expresses that at some point that she wants to do something else but then Laura isn't into that so they do express their sexuality or their queerness or they want to experience it maybe in different ways or they're not on the same page yeah. yet but it comes together in the end anyway Laura starts to understand that and she accepts it in the end yeah and then they definitely. both find their own space of queerness separate from each other but also together and yeah, that's so and great so nice it just says so much about role models but also finding your space yeah because like turns out shocker not every queer woman is the same and likes the same stuff <laughs> yes I feel like we're very different but we come together with yeah some things film gay stuff yeah we can still talk about being gay that's the thing exactly and that's the thing with we Laura and we can still have different interests and different spaces and different like friends and communities and stuff but we come together and it's so exactly. nice exactly oh. and that 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 part of figuring out this aspect of the friendship I really enjoyed that as well yeah because you can tell that Lee isn't into it as much as Laura is she just wants to write her poems she just wants to go to an open mic <laughs> such a Literally. Oh, such a literature lesbian. Just like you, kind of. I did do English lit for my undergrad. And then English I was <laughs> <laughs> No girl. Let's talk about Lee's dad. Mm-hmm. And like his whole... Because we know the mum's hostile, right? But he... There's this scene when this masculine presenting woman comes in and he he's with two of his friends and one of them like keeps using really derogatory terms for this woman Mm -hmm. um and it's like being really like horribly candid about like how do you have sex blah 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 this absolute legend she turns around and comes back with such a fiery sassy comeback they're all laughing at him like Lee's dad and his friend being like you asked for that haha like what did you expect of course she was gonna like defend herself but then he the guy says this is really convoluted I'm sorry but the guy basically says something derogatory about Lee and that's Mm -hmm. when Lee's dad gets really angry and feels like and there's a couple of scenes where he feels like he has to defend her and yeah I just wondered what you thought about that because the, it's like a proper rage when he, yeah. he calls a, der- a derogatory term that I'm not going to repeat but you can probably guess what it is and he lashes out he's like what did you just say yeah and that's it's, interesting there's like these rumours that um, Lee's going to that gay party yeah um, every Saturday yeah it's um, like a well known queer hotspot her dad defends her and he's still in denial about her sexuality at that point yeah. He's like, no, she's not. He tries to talk with her. Um, 
and then he assumes that she has a boyfriend at some at one point. Well, yeah, because she she comes to him for advice on dating, but she can't really be honest. But then he can't be honest because he's got his own kind of yeah. stuff going on, and it's just kind of like a conversation that's not a conversation. Yeah, so he he's very much still in denial about it, but he stands with his daughter instead of against her, like her mom does in the end. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily acceptance, but it's support nonetheless in some way. Yeah. Or it's, he's it's not kid. rejection. Yeah, it's just kind of that in-between space, which isn't ideal, but like for the situation that they're in, it's yeah, but it's fine. In like, if you had the environment is painted as very oppressive surrounding queerness, yeah. being in a middle space has room for growth. And oh, where, 100%. Where her mom is, by the end of the film, is so much deep l- lower down like that she has to grow a lot and repair a lot yeah whereas her dad you know if if league like i feel like that's relatable because you know you've been sitting on this for ages and then you come out i think what i didn't realize coming out is that sometimes you know like people in your life they need time to adjust too mm-hmm. if they're not used to the idea and it's really important because you can see lee's dad trying and that's really important like, especially when you're young like she's 17 it's so important you know in a few years who knows like she can bring a girlfriend home fingers crossed like mm-hmm. I'd love to see that follow up first of all true yeah yeah but so let's talk about Bina so Bina gets introduced I knew it right away can I just say did you know it right away <laughs> did you know it right away the first time I watched she's no. like this goody two shoes church girl I was like, oh, they're going to end up together. She's going to be a raging... She's in the family. Jesus, she's a sapphic sister. (laughs) So she's in... Well, okay. So I had an inkling the first time. This is the second time I've watched Pariah. But it's so obvious now. But like, when... So it's basically Lee's mum and a colleague introduce their daughters to each other. Iconic. Because her mum wants Lee to have like a feminine influence. Iconic. That backfires. I love it when this happens. <laughs> I love it when it happens too. Yeah. She's like, she's going to be such a good influence for you. Yeah. Yeah, when she's... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll make you work so hard on this <laughs> Joyce giving me all the sound bites to keep and then cut out of the final cut. So anyway, speaking of masking, back to Pariah. That was a lot. <laughs> um, also, this was the note earlier that I needed to ask you about the king. Just wrote king. <laughs> I, was I like, thought I it was like KMS. I think it just represents how I feel. <laughs> Stop projecting. I'm sorry. Anyway, go on. Um, so, Lee and Bina get closer. Um, and then they kiss. And then Lee freaks out and goes to Laura's house. But then Laura and Lee are having a little spat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... So she feels very rejected, basically. She's on her own. She's just had her first kiss with a woman and she doesn't know... She can't talk to anyone about it. Yeah. And, and that's she, horrible. And she rejected Bina in that moment. Yeah. Because she was so scared, scared. about this happening. Relatable. Like facing her own queerness. Can't do it, not today. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then, so this was the thing. So later on, when when Lee is kind of around Bina, she's like, I just like Laura's like, I just want to see you happy because I love you. Is she actually admitting that she loves? Lee? I was wondering, or is uh, it kind of like a friend thing? I think or it's like, a friend thing because I wasn't sure, like if 
it was a crush or not. I never got that vibe. Yeah, me neither. So, I felt like it was very like left field, but then like they kind of reconcile and it's fine. But I don't know. Could be. I really don't know. It's layered, regardless. Yeah. It's kind of that like best friend partner thing that we saw mm. in the watermelon woman. Because when the best friend knows that the girlfriend yeah. isn't right, they're vocal about it, and then it causes tension. Yeah, I'd hope my best friend would be like, "Listen, girl." she's not the one but she hadn't met she hadn't met um, Bina yet that's the thing and then she meets her and she's like okay I can see that she makes you happy and I'm happy for you that is true but then but then this is this was so sad I, I like oh god it's so uh, heartbreaking heartbreaking so they have their first time it's beautiful it's a beautiful scene it's mm-hmm. so well done it's so tender yeah. and there's no score it's so quiet mm-hmm. it's so real it's so such a real it's one of the more realistic scenes that I've seen yeah with queer love and I loved it thought it was beautiful but then oh. the next morning Joyce take us through it let's oh. read it well Bina basically completely rejects it from happening from having happened she won 80s what's that about yeah, she wants Lee out of the house. She tells her, "I'm not actually gay. I'm not. I'm not one of them." We were um, just playing around. Just playing around. And she's so and hostile. And then Lee's like, "What the hell?" There you have the internalized homophobia. I mean, at that point, you get all these kind of insights into what it's like being queer in this environment, and mm-hmm. this is just one of them, and that's a reality. Yeah. But it's so incredibly sad because it affects Lee. When she's just had this breakthrough where she's been able to be intimate with someone, this for girl, the first time. for the first time, and it's such a, pa- and we're like, we're literally like, yeah, it's finally yeah. like, you, like you're letting that guard down, you're you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable, and then it's such a slap in the face when it's like, yeah. oh no, back to square one. And that's the thing; they're both victims in this scenario. Oh, hundred percent, they are. It's so sad to see this anger come or like not anger like it's complete rejection coming from Bina the hostility like yeah. that she always experiences like is comes from Bina and yeah. it's like it's just yeah, it's, it's incredibly sad oh my god it was so sad I just can't believe it and then the rea- Lee's reaction to it you can just it's so visceral oh it's like, so heartbreaking when she she's leaves, trying not to cry oh and when when she's about to leave like walk out this door like you can, you can just feel it she's shaking and ready to start crying oh, Bina's horrible. like it's so well acted yeah Bina's like uh, oh and also there's no need to tell anyone about this just makes it just a little bit worse just rubbing salt in the wound that little bit more just, just a little bit worse oh, and then god. Lee runs outside and, and screams and breaks everything in her room and she's just in so much pain and it's yeah. horrible it's horrible and then more heartbreak because yeah. she wakes up in her destroyed room mm-hmm. to the sound of her parents arguing which has been a theme throughout the film the family unit is kind of breaking down because her father is having an affair yeah. and it's kind of lots of disjointed connections um, yeah. and then Lee comes down she's very protective of her little sister mm-hmm. she says go upstairs and lock the door and there's a very intense family argument going on and then her and then her mum gets Lee involved basically like tell him tell him you're gay I'm not using the word that she used mm-hmm. um, and then her dad is like no tell her it's not true tell yeah. her it's not true and then it basically forces Lee to have this heartbreaking gut-wrenching coming out scene which is like 
that is the worst way that you want to come out like basically being forced out by your parents and then just like it being such an aggressive hostile and upsetting environment she's watching her parents marriage collapse Mm -hmm. and then she she's like fine fine I'm gay I'm gay and then there's some like a, a little bit of domestic abuse that we kind of won't go into um, heartbreaking and Lee runs away to Laura's and then they have a quiet reconciliation that's the, that's when they quietly reconcile on scene and it's like okay well they, they are actually there for each other when it's really important mm-hmm. they're there for each other and it's just it's so heartbreaking um, that that this happens and it it completely ruins Lee's relationship with her mum yeah because her mum is so horrified at the prospect of her daughter being queer yeah and like the yeah her dad is in denial but he's not absolutely repulsed whereas she's angry and she reacts with her anger it's very violent and aggressive yeah and it's horrible because it's like both emotional and physical and like that's apparent like yeah that should act as a trigger warning by the way just mm. in case um anyone hasn't seen it that does is listening at this point and does want to watch that is a trigger warning there is um some brief domestic violence in the film and as well the final scene with her and her mum because so she speaks to her dad basically she gets accepted to an early college program at berkeley first of all congrats girl berkeley's like is berkeley like ivy league it's one of the really good ones right yeah america america (laughs) um on the other side of the country as well good for her yeah like go exactly and she has this really really good scene with her dad um so liberating she's really looking forward to the future um she says i'm not running I'm choosing mm. and that is the best line she's choosing her le- she's choosing her future she's choosing her path forward yeah. it's so empowering it's so liberating but then like, and her dad's like okay okay but then she has this scene with her mum at her mum's work and her mum says I'll be praying for you and walks away that's yeah. the last thing that she says to Lee which is heartbreaking but then after the scene we've just seen it's like well her mum can choose to move forward with Lee or Lee moves forward without her kind of thing, you know? Yeah. It is just kind and of what it is, and she it's even, escapes. She, yeah, yeah. She's liberated. She's liberated, and she knows within herself that she tried with her mom. Even yeah. after everything that happened, she went there. She said, I love you to her mom. Yeah, she said, Mom, I love you. I love yeah. you. So She tried. She did everything she could, basically. Yeah. And she can leave with that peace, even though it's a lot of heartbreak she still tried which is so good like because i feel like for people that don't accept their their queer child i feel like that's really like maybe comforting to a lot of queer people watching because she says i am not broken i'm free Mm -hmm. she's choosing her own path and whoever doesn't want to come on that path bye yeah like goodbye you know it's 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 really nice it's liberating and the film although it took some dark turns it's it's really hopeful um and the relatability of that she's going off to college first of all early college acceptance that's the thing in america amazing she's mm-hmm. obviously so smart and she's going to go to college in california mm-hmm. and meet all these incredible incredible queer women 
that write poetry that write poetry and talk about their feelings and talk about being openly gay mm-hmm. she is gonna be so popular like and you just feel so good because you're like I feel like us in our mid-twenties we're like look what's coming yeah like look what's coming for you it's gonna be so good like but I remember being 17 and being in that scared place of I'm never gonna be able to be out yeah I'm never gonna be able to be open and it's just so nice just to like I know have that knowledge that she's gonna be fine yeah oh it's got really heartwarming. What a good note to end on. <laughs> I know that got so heartwarming and nice. It's it's such a good ending. I agree fullheartedly. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any so, final thoughts about either film that we've discussed today? I love them both. Honestly, oh, they're both so good. So good. But for for such different reasons, I've, like yeah, very much. Um, I feel like we've given them both just deserves. I feel like mm. I feel a bit weird doing them in the same episode, but I feel like it's 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 good because it's kind of showing that full circle mm-hmm. journey in ter- like in terms of queerness and in terms of representation and trying to like queer people trying to make their own space in the world and carve their own legacy yeah for sure on that note yeah thank you so much for listening to this month's episode of gay actually we have a couple of announcements to make so if you're listening to this podcast and you want to listen to more you thought oh you know they, they're talking about film but I really want to hear them talk about this like lesbian series or this trans character from this TV show guess what we're making more things yeah we are starting a new channel on Spotify is it channel am I old is it I don't channel, know what it, I don't channel think so, account yeah. podcasting place we're, we're creating a new gay space on Spotify gay actually is expanding to its own podcast we're, we're still going to be doing the monthly series as part of UK film review but we're also going to be doing more episodes on a broader range of LGBTQ plus content over on the gay actually podcast page I, we will link it on our social medias we're on Instagram at gay underscore actually I think I said that last time, but we're so every app you gotta plug yeah. it, baby. You gotta plug uh, it. If you want to get in contact with us, it's gayactuallyuk at gmail.com or you can follow UK Film Review. Their Twitter handle has recently changed. It's now UK Film Review on love Twitter. That. Love yeah, that. Keep it consistent. Love it, love it. There's lots of places you can find us. Um we'll include some links in the description as well in case you can't find our new Spotify channel. There's going to be some very exciting episodes coming out. Joyce, mm-hmm. do you want to share what we're going to be talking about? Oh, gladly. In, on our new space, <laughs> the first episode is going to be about... Oh, a League of Their Own! <laughs> the Lesbian Baseball... Incredible... Well, I couldn't think of a word. <laughs> the Lesbian Baseball Area. Oh, no. No. Terrible. Um, lesbian Baseball Heaven. Lesbian baseball. <laughs> oh my god, Amber and I both love this show so much. Oh yeah, we've talked about some of the characters in past episodes at the nominated character Greta. Oh my god, Darcy Carden, <laughs> slay me! So uh, if you want to hear more about that, um, oh, I'm so excited. I need it's to rewatch be it. So good. Yeah, I might need to rewatch it. Oh my god, let's rewatch it. Um. We're going to be talking about it's all of our thoughts, about all of that. So if you're excited, go give us a follow over there. Give us a listen. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be up when this goes up. If yeah. it's not, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Watch, this, watch that space. Watch this space. Mm-hmm. Also, 
Um, next month in March is going to be BFI Flair, the LGBTQ plus festival for film mm-hmm. that the BFI do, and I'm going to be there. Yeah, I am going to go. So if you're going press to girly. BFI Flair in March 2023, press. Did you say press girly? <laughs> She's the press queen. <laughs> no. This is my, like, this is the, like, biggest event I've ever done, so I'm really excited. That's amazing. If any of you are going to be at BFI Flair, come find me, because A, I need someone to sit with, and B, um, let's talk about gay film. Baby, let's talk about queer film. Yay. <laughs> Love it. I can't, I'm, we're going to, I think we're going to be covering some of the, some of the films on the podcast as well. Um, so watch this space, honey. We're thrilled. Well, Ember especially. And I'm so thrilled to hear about it. <laughs> you should come to some of the screenings as well. Um, I mean, if I'm free, then why not? Yeah. Yeah. I love watching gay people <laughs> on screen. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you added on screen. Well, <laughs> Joyce the Stalker. Thank you so much for listening. Do you have anything else to add? Um, thank you, Ember. No, I, just, <laughs> I always say, do you want anything else to add? Because I want you to feel heard and seen. And you oh. always just thank me. And I'm like, <laughs> narcissist. Well, no, um, no. Uh, thank you, listeners. <laughs> um, Thanks for listening to this chaotic. Please send us emails. We, we love this. Yes. Thank you, email person, for sending us an email. Please send us more emails. Not you specifically. <laughs> you can if you want. Please email us everyone. But our lovely new followers on Instagram um, and our socials. Yeah. Get in touch. We love attention. You can we're send gay. us a DM on Instagram. We love attention. We're gay. <laughs> we didn't get it for years. We're making up for lost time. <gasps> but anyway. All right. Thanks so much for listening and goodbye. Bye. Hi everyone. If you're still listening, this is editing Amber here. It's the day before the podcast is due to go live and I'm just uploading it and I think it's appropriate this week, shortly after we recorded the episode, we learned of the tragic murder of Brianna Guy, a young transgender woman in the north of the UK. It's an absolutely appalling situation um, and we just want to send lots of love to everyone that knew Brianna she from the impression that we get she was a larger than life absolutely incredible young woman and we have obviously shared the links to her GoFundMe on Instagram and on Twitter and we just want to include a link in this description as well just because I think it's really important if anyone is in a position to donate to her funeral costs or if you're not in a position to donate just to Just share it with as many people as you can, just because it's very important that we take the stand that transgender lives in this country and the rest of the world do matter. Look after each other, come together as a community and take care. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.